Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. Today's conversation is about the intersection of mental health and technology usage. I'm joined in this conversation by Arlene Pelicane. And Arlene is here to talk about our mental health and our total well-being and how technology usage can be interfering with that. I'm going to be honest with you. In the most difficult part of my healing journey, I relied on screens a lot. I was relying on screens to entertain my kids and sort of give me a break, but I was also relying on it as kind of a digital pacifier for my own anxiety. Over time, though, I did recognize these habits and I could see the effect it was having on our mental health. And you know what? There are times I still slip into some bad habits. And Arlene is here to help us understand how technology usage can interfere with our mental health, but then how we can also incorporate it in ways that are fun and creative as well. Something exciting is in the works, and we are adding a new segment to the Christian Single Moms podcast in which we'd like to feature you. On our website, you can record a question that you'd like to have answered or share something that God has been teaching you in this season. Submissions can be anonymous and may be played right here on the Christian Single Moms podcast. For more details, check out the link down in the show notes. Something I've learned in my season as a single mom is that loneliness actually does not have that much to do with being alone. Hurt from our relationships in the past causes us stress around relationships in the present, and the ways that we have learned to deal with that stress can help us to feel safe but actually keep us away from the meaningful relationships that we desire. To start to unravel this, to identify your stress style and discover the pathway to healing, you can take our quiz called What's Your Stress Style? And you'll find a link for that down in the show notes. I really appreciate Arlene's no shame approach to this topic and the fact that she just understands that as single parents, we need downtime so that we can be more available for our kids. But what I really love is that she talks about ways that we can actually preserve that downtime for ourselves while cultivating our kids in the process. Here is my conversation with Arlene Pelicane. Arlene, I'm so glad to have you with me. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, Michelle. Thank you. Me too. Arlene, screen time is something that I think we have this should around it. We know mm-hmm. that we should do less and yes. we, for ourselves and for our kids, but mm-hmm. practically speaking, that can be really difficult. And for single parents specifically, the season can be very overwhelming. Yeah, And sometimes screen time is something that we use to escape or we allow our mm-hmm. kids to just give us some downtime as we move yeah. them into that. So I'd like to start off though, with an understanding of screen time and usage of technology and actually mm-hmm. how some of the sense of overwhelm that we have, some of the issues that we're dealing with when it comes to anxiety and depression, how these things can actually be made worse. Yeah. I want to start with what you said, the should, you know, like we should do this, we should do this. Let's 
wrap ourselves around the language maybe of I will, like instead of I should do this, I should do this. But at the end of this conversation, I hope that you're going to walk away and say like, okay, I will do this. Mm. I will do that because it's, it's much more, you know, it, it gives you power to act. And, and I think as we consider screens and the, it's just, they're everywhere. And so, and kids are watching them younger and younger and the, the emotional needs that a child has that are met by a hug or talking or a story that relates to them, all of a sudden they're given, you know, they have a video game or a YouTube channel or they're streaming a show and it just doesn't do the trick. And, you know, they say that half of two to four-year-olds who are really young um, already have their own tablet or smartphone to play with. Like it's theirs, it, you know, they, they it, it is theirs. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, okay, if you're starting so young being attached to a device, to a show, to a character that is not even real, right? Then no wonder when you hit your teenage years, you have anxiety, you have depression because mm -hmm. you haven't been receiving love. You've just been watching TV, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, there does need to come a seriousness around the topic to say, you know what? We are not helpless just to be like, okay, yeah, my child, we are having a hard time and they're just most likely going to turn out to be a statistic of one out of two kids is struggling with anxiety and depression. Well, at least my child won't be alone. Like we can say, wait a minute, there, there's a correlation and there's something that we can do. You know, they looked at depression and from the year 2007 to 2014, I'm sorry, it's 2004 to 2014, John Hopkins University, they found depression rise set 37% in girls. And what was happening during that time? Social media was being introduced. Uh, mm. The phone was being introduced. All these personal devices were being introduced because for a child, for a mom, we already can sense that, right? But you can imagine if you're an elementary school child, you're a middle schooler, you're a high schooler, and you're deriving your worth and you're going up and down and up and down. Did they like it? Did they not like it? I'm out. I'm in. I'm just trying to be popular. I'm just trying to fit in. I've got to filter this. I've got to, you know, that's a lot of stress. And, and you almost think of that brand management of mm. your daughter mm -hmm. growing up thinking, oh, I have to manage my brand. I have to manage what I look like. And it's like, you know how you're nervous to do something if someone's watching you, you know, mm -hmm. like, let's say you're really good. It's up. You're really great at kicking that goal. But when a certain person's watching you, you get really nervous. Yeah, It's like living your life that way, that yeah. people are watching you and they're seeing. So why do we want to introduce that kind of stress into our children's life when they already have a lot of different stresses? And, you know, a lot of parents, will say, oh, my kids are so, they're aggressive and they're irritable and they're annoyed and they can't follow simple rules. But wow, we like did like a two-week detox and we were like, wow, my, my kids, they, they can talk and they mm. talk to me and they're so much nicer and they listen. And so even that, I think even just trying it, like if you're thinking, oh, these screens help me, well, why don't you take them out of your home for two weeks? you might realize, oh, maybe they weren't helping me so much after all. Yeah. You know, I think that idea of this thing is helping me is actually yeah. probably one of the reasons that we want to hang tightly to it or that we yes. just kind of form this bond with it, I suppose, because I know as an, um, as I was going through some of the most difficult parts of my emotional journey and my healing that I would have this almost 
gut instinct reflex to like pick the phone up whenever I was feeling anxious. It was sort of, for me, it was the sense that I'm feeling disconnected. And a lot of this happened during COVID and during the lockdowns. I'm feeling disconnected. Let me pick this thing up and I'll feel reconnected. And interestingly enough, though, I started to realize that it was making me feel worse, Mm. that I was going there for connection, but then maybe I hadn't seen any new posts because it was like 20 minutes ago, (laughs) or maybe it was that what I posted, as you said, didn't get enough of a response. And so where I went there to connect as a bid for connection, I ended up experiencing more rejection. Mm. And then when we look at our kids, as you said, okay, this, this, child is overwhelming me right now. They need a lot from me and I just don't have anything to give them. So let me give them this and then we'll all be happy. But then at the end of that, they're not learning how to attach to us. They're not learning even just those facial cues. They're not learning what it is to have to be patient and to wait. And that's exhausting for us. But if we're not modeling it for them, they won't get it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I've started to understand is we, if we talk about availability in relationships, emotional availability. A lot of times for us, if we feel disconnected in relationships, it can start because we had a parent who was disconnected in one way or another. And so where our parents didn't necessarily have screen time, they had other things and we could still have other things that we could fill in those spaces with that. If we use those things, we become emotionally shut off to our kids and then it causes a disconnect in our relationship there. Yeah, they did the screen time, this still face experiment that's super interesting where a mom is in front of her baby. They're sitting face to face toward sitting towards each other, baby in a high chair. And the mom, of course, is doing normal interaction, mimicking the baby, looking at the baby, the baby points and the mom looks at where they're pointing and they're smiling and they're happy and it's going really well. And then they have the mom turn around come back to the baby with no expression at all. And no matter what the baby does, the mom is completely expressionless. And now the baby very quickly breaks down. The baby points, let's do this again. Look at what I'm pointing to, but no response. Mm. So the baby starts to cry. Like, why are you not doing this? The baby tries again, doing a big dazzling smile, like, you know, doing the best that the baby can. Nothing from the mom. The baby arches her back. No, what's happened? And it's, it's this idea that, We need that response. So what you're saying is so important that our children need our eye contact. And it doesn't mean that you have to stare at your child for five hours. It just means that when they they come home, that the phones are not in your hands, that you are looking your child in the eye and you're really spending that first minute saying, hey, how was your day? What happened today? Was there anything interesting that happened? Was there anything funny? And, you know, even if you just spend one minute, but really concentrated, no phones right in their face, that's, they're going to feel that. And when you do need that time, you know, it makes me think that the old technology is so much more advanced and better helpful than the new. So for instance, if you put your child in front of a DVD, remember those? Mm. So go get yourself a DVD (laughs) player at the thrift store and get a free DVD at the library. And when you put your child in front of that DVD, what's going to happen? You know exactly what's being played. So now you know what's there and it's going to stop and then Mm -hmm. it'll be over and it will have a done time. And that's the problem with the phone, the tablet, the streaming service is that you don't know 
what your child is watching. It is way too addictive. You know, if your child is watching their favorite show and Netflix when they invented post-play so that the next thing would automatically play, what child is going to be able to say, oh, you know what? I've watched one episode. I should stop. You know, I'm done they're now. Gonna, <laughs> right, I'm, I'm done now. Play. <laughs> All done now, mom. I'm good. You know, they're going to obviously cave to that. So we need to understand that technology, it has been wired to addict. You talked earlier about Instagram. Instagram, literally, they want you to have this unpredictable experience so Mm -hmm. that you're always wondering what's going to happen. So they will literally hold your likes and they'll dump them all at one time so that you're thinking like, oh, nobody liked it. And you keep checking. Nobody liked it. You keep checking. And then all of a sudden, boom, 86 likes. And you're like, oh, this is great. I mean, this is terrible, right? So Mm. you need to get in that mindset of I won't be manipulated. I will not be manipulated by big tech and I won't let my children be manipulated either. So it's kind of like getting them in the matrix of teaching them, hey, child of mine, look at this social media feed and tell me when it ends. And they're like, okay, it it doesn't have an end. Okay, they engineered that on purpose so you would never get off. And I think for a teenager, if you give them the sense of like, you know, more than the average child, you know, they're going to, they might say to you, to your face, they're not going to say anything, but later to themselves, they might go, oh, I'm smarter than this. And they'll get off themselves, you know? (laughs) know, They're like, I'm not going to get caught. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You know, and I think that this is a learning process alongside of our kids, because as I alluded to earlier, there was a season where I was really struggling and I relied a lot on screen time. And I know that I did, and I didn't really know what to do about it and how I was going to change things. And I think once we've got a system kind of going, whether or not it's actually working for us, we're not really sure then how do we disconnect? How do we shift things? Especially if we've got older kids, younger kids, like if you want to take my device away, you know, there may be a tantrum that happens there. So Arlene, would you talk about that? You know, we're, we're making mistakes. We're trying to go back. We're trying to fix things that we, we wish we'd done it differently in the first place. How can we engage that process? Say to yourself, it will be hard today, but it will be easy tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And the more you put that off, the harder and harder it gets. But if you will take the tantrum today, so whatever stage you're at, maybe you've got a five-year-old that's used to a certain thing, 15-year-old that's used to a certain thing. You come with the apology, you know, Screen Kids, the book that I wrote with Dr. Gary Chapman, he's so good at this. And he just says, you come, you don't come with like, here's the new rules. I listen to the plus one podcast. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> you know, But it's like, no, you say, you know, I'm sorry. I, I've needed this time and I've just kind of let things go mm. and I want to do better by you. I, I really do. I care about you. I care that you're healthy. I care that you're whole. And so I realized that, you know, six hours a day with media is, is really not cutting it. That's an average, you know, but it's like, that's not really working. So we're going to cut down to two hours, you know, whatever it is. So I'm just mm-hmm. kind of playing this out with you and, you know, your child's not going to be like, oh, the wisdom of God is on you. You know, they're going to be mad. I arise and you blessed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Here's your Mother's Day gift early. You yeah. know, they're going to be mad. They're going to maybe not talk to you for a few days. They're going to guilt trip you, say you're the only mom who does this. I already don't have so many things and now I don't have this. They're going to get, and you're just going to have to stand there and take it and just be like, if I will do the hard now. Then one month from now, this is going to be easier. A year from now, I'll have a different child. Like it's worth it. Mm. So for you just to feel like, you know what, I will endure some short-term pain 
like a tantrum, not being liked, um, getting words, you know, fired at you for the next week or two. But I know if I stick with this, even if my child doesn't say that was a good decision, mom, you will see good fruit from it. And when your child is older, he or she will arise and call you blessed and say, I know my mom loved me because she was tough and she got me back on track. That's our job to get, you know, we get ourselves back on track and then we bring our kids with us and we say, child of mine, we need to get back on track. And obviously, uh, you know, look for other adults around you who will support you in this so that when your kid is mad at you, someone else likes you, right? So that Mm -hmm. when your kid is like, just difficult. You've got someone else who's like, you're doing a good job. You're doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so critical because it can be like them against me, <laughs> you know, yes. sort of a thing. And there can and be more just, of them. And just one of you. <laughs> that's right. You sort of retreat to your corner and just like, yeah. well, I know I got to do this, but just hearing that affirmation just reminds yeah. you that yes, this is what you need to do. And it's and a great kids thing. will adapt. The younger they are, the more easily they'll adapt for a young child, five-year-old, seven-year-old, nine-year-old, you pull the plug, but you put something else in its place, whether it's Legos, whether it's Play-Doh, whether it's art, whether it's sports, they will adapt and they'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, this is just as good. And if they have no other option, that's the thing. You have to shut it out. Like that is not even an option because they're mm-hmm. always going to pick the video game or what, because that's very low effort and very high reward. So they're always going to pick that. But if that's not on the table, it's it doesn't even exist. Then they're going to be like, oh, I guess this book is kind of interesting. So you really have to think that way that if it doesn't exist, believe me, they will realize that, oh, being creative and just playing make-believe is kind of cool and playing tag or going outside. Like they're kids, they can figure this out. So in the absence of the screens, your kids will find something else to do and it will become their new normal. Well, and I appreciate what you just said there. Your kids will find something else to do. There are things that we can do to put in substitutes, but that boredom can be really good for them, for them to start figuring out okay, what am I going to do with this time? And we can actually lead that to say, well, I put these options out here for you, but if that's none of those are appealing to you, then feel free to invent a game on your own or feel free to go find a neighbor to play with or something along those lines, but that we don't actually have to solve the problem. And even what you're saying with the silence, Dr. Chapman says, you know, there's a time and a place for a kid with a bucket of water and a stick and nothing to do and just roll in that stick around in that bucket of water. And there is something obviously right in the silent. We don't have that because we are always plugged in. Oh, look, our child has nothing to do. Watch this. Oh, look, your child has nothing to do. Press this. And I think that's why a lot of kids, you know, they never process their grief. They don't go through that all the way. And I think the more you are not afraid of silence, in fact, you encourage silence. In fact, you look for it and you say, great, we finally have some silence because it really is true. In those silent moments, isn't that where our ideas come out? Isn't that where we're thinking, reflecting about what has happened in our life? Isn't that where God can start speaking to your child and start you know, growing a relationship with your child? It's not when your child is holding a device and watching a show. Now, the show can be a digital vegetable. Your child might be watching a sermon. Your child might be learning a Bible verse, Your child, but your child most likely isn't. <laughs> they yeah, could be, yeah. 
you know, so they could be hearing God through their device. I don't want to minimize that. There are a lot of neat Christian things that you can do through devices. The problem is it's you might, for every one Christian thing you do, you probably do 99 non-Christian things. That's the hard part. But in that silence, you know, children can process and it's the same for adults. I want to talk more about that because one of the things I appreciated about this book is the fact that there's an entire chapter devoted to single parents and what it is to need me time and what it is to allow space though for grieving and for the healing process. And I'd love if you would share more though on how screen time can limit our kids' ability to process their emotions and delay their healing process when we consider the variety of things that they've either been through or might still be going through. Yeah. You know, I was just reading uh, in, what is it, first in first Samuel and the children of Israel are away from God, but now the ark's been stolen. There doesn't seem any hope. They're under the Philistines and God is silent. And the Bible says that 20 years later, it took them 20 years to be like, okay, we're ready to put away our old idols. We're ready to like confess our sin to you. We're ready to repent and we're ready to be yours again. And it, it took this time of silence. And I was talking to my daughter, Lucy, she's um, my, my 12-year-old and saying, you know, Lucy, sometimes we don't immediately get it. We don't, um, it takes a, to hear God's voice and to get it and to get what we need to do. Sometimes it takes time. It takes like a grieving. It takes realizing what are the consequences of my life if I continue in this direction. And so I think for kids, like these are obviously very big ideas and you have to age it down to where they're at, but to be for them to be able to have the quiet to say, okay, and maybe this is a counselor, maybe this is a grandma or grandpa that's talking to them, you know, tell us what you're, what you're processing and thinking about what has happened. What do you see you moving forward in your life? And for that, not a root of bitterness to grow, but a root of trusting God. Like, how can we turn this into trust? You know, I have a friend who uh, lost her father when she was eight to a sickness And she says that that was the time that Jesus became my friend. Mm. She saw a difference. She saw a choice. She saw that her mother was trusting in God. She saw that her mother was singing praise songs. And this was after very directly after her dad died. She saw while my mother is singing these praise songs, but she saw her older brother was getting very angry and very bitter and very mad at God. And they were going these two different trajectories and she's only eight, but she sees like, look at my mom and then look at my brother. Mm -hmm. And as time went on, like she, as a young child said, I'm going to choose Jesus. I'm going to make him my friend. And she said that he became so close to her. She's eight, so close to her. That's how she knew he's real. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think for our kids, if we give them too many screens they don't have that experience of like, let me get to know Jesus mm-hmm. because instead they're like, you know, let me get to know Paw Patrol, or let mm-hmm. me get to know Elsa or let me get to know these other people. And so I think it is important when we are silencing those screens, really limiting the screens, limiting the influence. So yes, if you need the, the, the distraction, put like veggie tales on, put like Bible things on, put Mr. Rogers on things that, you know, are going to reinforce what your child needs versus really 
kind of setting them backwards. Mm-hmm. And then pray for your kids. You know, Moms in Prayer is an amazing nonprofit that it, this, the whole mission of it is two praying moms for every school. And so I've been in a Moms in Prayer group ever since my um, child was in first grade and now he's a senior in high school. And it's just a simple time where once a week you get together and you pray for your child by name and for their school. And I think if you as a mom are praying, like, I pray for my child, I pray that they will experience your healing, God. I pray that they will be able to confess if they're angry at you and 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 really have it out with you. I pray that they would be able to realize it's not their fault. I pray mm-hmm. that they would be able to, to make a good friend. Like as you're praying these things, you're going to see like God's going to answer these prayers and you're going to see your child grow. So let your child, you know, catch you praying. I always tease moms because we're so busy. Like you can make it up. Your child's coming down the hall and you're like, and Lord, my (laughs) child, just pour your grace, pour your mercy, blessing. Amen. Oh, look, child, but there you are. You you could totally do that. Same thing with reading your Bible. Anything, just like sneak it in, let them catch you doing that. So they see like you have an anchor and a rock so that they want that too. And I think that healing, it's going to come first and foremost through God touching their life. And then obviously God's going to come alongside you through the church. God's going to come alongside you, maybe through a great counselor, through a good friend, et cetera, through other trusted adults that you on purpose put in your child's life. You know, and I think what's important about what you're saying is that, you know, we're going to have kids who are on both ends of the spectrum. We're going to have some who are impressionable and they're kind of just curious and they're watching and, and they will lean in that direction of going towards the things that are giving them peace. Yeah. But then we're going to have other kids on the other side of that who are angry, who are the, the, especially if they're a teenager, older child who are able to start putting their minds around these things and saying, this is not fair. And in these situations, what, what I have been struck by is the fact that we could look at this thing as any other addictive type method that would give us the tendency to want to numb out that would, mm-hmm. we would want to escape with. And so yeah. for me, I didn't even recognize that I was doing it, but it may be for another person, whether the parent or the child that we know that this is the thing I'm escaping into. We know this is where my fantasy world exists. We know yeah. that this is where I'm going to quote unquote, get my needs met so that I don't have to deal with reality. And I know we're not saying, hey, no screens at all. But what we are saying is if we notice that these things are addictive in nature and they can be an escape mechanism to a person who really is hurting, then we have the ability to say, okay, what are some things we need to put in place? Because there are no stopping cues, you know, so that we don't let this thing just go forever. And that when that silence is deafening though, and this is the thing I, I really think is important to to focus on is the fact that when that silence becomes deafening, what do we do? what do we do? What is, what do I do with that? You know, it, it begins, it's that place where that, that anxiety or that depression becomes overwhelming. And in that zone, even us as the parents, we are feeling that we don't always even know what to do. So to guide our kids in that process can be extremely scary. Mm -hmm. But as you said, if we are seeking the Lord though, if when we have that urge to like, I want to pick that screen up. If we have that moment to say, Lord, I'm I see that I'm feeling this right now. I don't want to turn to that. Show me something. Show me where you want my attention to go or show me something that just lets me know you're here right now. Show me something that will allow me to 
be an encouragement to my child, even if it's just sitting quietly with them. And I think the one thing that screens can often end up ruining in our families is the ministry of presence. That's really a lot of what parenting is. We may not always know the right thing to say or the right thing to do, but sometimes we just need to be there. And that's yeah, very and often how God is for yes. us. Sometimes we may not hear <laughs> exactly what right. the thing we're supposed to do is in that moment, but it's because God just wants us to know that we're held and that we're safe. And sometimes if that's what we have to offer in a given moment, that's everything. Yeah. And along the lines of what you're saying to really kind of simplify it for your life, because you don't need another more complicated algorithm to know what you're supposed to do. But just think of your environment. Like, what is your environment like? Is the iPad just laying around? So that way your child can pick it up at any time. Is your phone always, you know, two feet away from you? So you can pick it up at any time. And just simply changing environment of pre-deciding, you know what, this week, this is what we're going to do. Mom's going to keep the iPad. You know, if you have, if you have a child, so basically if you have a child who can't reach it, right? Mom's going to put the iPad way up here where you can't reach it. These are the hours where you can ask me for it. And this is going to be our new thing. And, you know, again, they're not going to love this at first, but then it'll be normal. And then now you have more control over being present because now you're not in such heavy competition. I like to tell people it's digital vegetables and digital candy. Mm -hmm. And if you had a huge bag of M&Ms and you had a strap to your waist and you told yourself, I'm just going to eat 10, doggone it. I'm a good Christian person. (laughs) Like that's never going to happen. So you really have to wire your environment for success Mm -hmm. that that, okay, these devices aren't just going to be laying around. Okay. Maybe your child's been begging you for a phone. Okay. We're going to wait one more year. So, so kind of try to stack this in your favor for you. If you know, I'm just going to reach out to this and say, unless you're an emergency worker, I'm going to charge this in another room. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to look at it last thing at night. I'm not going to look at it first thing. Just have these very stated specific rules that help you. And then that that's just going to become a new habit. And then you're not going to think about it the same way you brush your teeth. You're just going to plug your phone in another room. You're going to go to sleep. You're not going to look at it first thing in the morning, last thing before bedtime. And that in and of itself will already be a good starting point. And, and maybe, you know, one of the things I like to say is before you touch that device, I will go online with purpose. So I am here to do X, Y, and Z. Maybe you are there just to veg out. Okay, fine. Put 15 minutes go through your Instagram feed. And when the timer goes off, like throw it aside. And then maybe you reward yourself at the end of the week. You know, we as adults, we work on rewards too. Yeah. So maybe at the end of the week where you're like, I had a really good week, you know, I'm going to treat myself to my favorite latte, you know, or whatever it is that that's an okay system. And the same thing with kids to say, okay, you guys, we had a great week. This is what we're going to do to celebrate our great week. And I think when you're in that long silence, like you were talking, talking about to have those, I can hardly wait, you know, when your kids, it's like, I can hardly wait to go to this. I can hardly wait to go to this. And I was talking to my pastor, uh, you know, he was probably in the seventies when we were talking about this and he's like, as adults, we run out of those, but you know what? You got to put those in too. Like the, I, I can hardly wait. And maybe it's six months from now that you're planning like a girl trip and your mom's going to watch the kids for two days. And now you have a, I can hardly wait to do something. And I think that's really important to pull pull us out of that darkness, whether it's for us or for our kids to schedule these, I can hardly wait. And they don't have to be much money. It might be like a, a, a special place you're going to visit. That's only an hour away. You know, it doesn't have to be this 
great thing that costs a lot of money, but it's just the fact, isn't it true? It's just looking forward to something. That's like mm-hmm. half the fun of the actual day of whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. You know, that's actually how I started treating my screen time was mm. I'm going to set it aside until this particular time. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, okay, great. I, I yeah. got through all the things I accomplished, how much more productive I was because this thing yes. was, I will get to it later. I will get to do this later. Yeah. And then when I sat down to do it, it was so much more enjoyable because it yes. was, I had waited so long. And so there was, yep. you know, because now the algorithm knows <laughs> yes. she's been gone for a while. Let's make sure it's all really worth her while, you know, but as I started doing that more and more, I started, it was a weaning off process. And then that anxiety yeah. I would have to like reach for it. It was like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. Like I'll get to it yeah. later, you know? And, and I found then that that was as that was the way that I treated it and how much healthier I felt emotionally, then it was so much easier to encourage my kids into that. Yes. And I think that is really the whole, my whole excitement about treating this thing as really something that we would want to just basically looking at this subject as something that is part of our health, because yes. it is something that if we yeah. are getting healthy ourselves emotionally and spiritually, because we are putting boundaries around this thing, then we can do that for our kids and model it for them rather than it being such just power struggle. Well, I feel like I should. So you feel, you know, like as your parent, I think you should, or if we're enforcing it on them, but we're not really modeling it ourselves, then that's where I find a lot of these power struggles come from because our kids can pick out the hypocrisy from a mile away and they are just not having it. Yeah. And even in those moments for you to say, Hey, you know what? Obviously mommy, I didn't do a great job today. So it just shows you and kind of be honest with it and just say, it just shows you how powerful this mm-hmm. is, like how it is, uh, you know, very subtle, you know, and just kind of make it a teaching thing. Like this is something you got to work on because as, as moms for us to realize if our child struggles with obesity, ADHD, nearsightedness, you know, inability to have social interactions, all these things, which this is very normal. So, you know, if, if this is where we're going for you to be able to, to say to your child, I, I want you to be healthy. And that's why I'm doing this. And we can look around and say, well, everybody else is doing it. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's really the thing you think of every other, whether it's a two parent home or single parent home, everybody's doing this, but do we want to be everybody, right? Mm. A lot of, we're sick right now, physically sick, mentally sick, emotionally sick. We don't want this. And so really telling your kids from this day forward, like, hey, we're doing this because we do want to be different. I do want you to be healthy. I do want you to be whole. And that's why we're spending the time being different. Like get your kids used to, like we are going to be different because if you're not on as much as everybody else, you will be different, but there is a great freedom that comes from that. Yeah. There are three words every abuse survivor must hear. God hates abuse. Plus One Parents has released a devotional for abuse survivors called Safe Haven, a devotional for the abused and abandoned. Safe Haven is a biblically-based guide to abuse, giving you the tools that you need to identify it, respond to it, and heal from it. Safe Haven is now available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, and you can locate a link to purchase your copy down in the show notes. Let's talk about the downtime aspect, because this is something I also really appreciated that you all were sensitive to, and the fact that 
because there are so many responsibilities on one parent, the need for downtime just so I can recharge and be able to show back up in a couple of hours or, you know, whatever it is. Totally. It's real. So when it comes to though, getting more creative, sometimes that is exhausting. Like, okay, so now I have to, you know, in my downtime, figure out what I'm going to do so that I can take my downtime when my kids are with me, (laughs) if I don't want them parked in front of screens. But there are some simple ways that we can engage this that don't involve a whole lot of creativity. Yeah. Our favorite is an early bedtime. And I know everyone's be like, oh, that's really funny, early bedtime. But you know what? If your kids, whatever age they are, they need more sleep. It's just true. (laughs) Whatever Mm -hmm. age they are, they very like, because here's the deal. If your child is young, then early bedtime is easy. You just you just pull it back half an hour, then you pull it back an hour, and then you make it, child of mine, you're going to bed at 7.30. Child of mine, you're going to bed at 8.30. I had this great um, sleep specialist, Dr. Chris Winter on my Happy Home podcast, and he was great. And he just said, be chill about it. Like you don't have to be the sleep Nazi, like go to sleep right now. Mm-hmm. Be chill about it. Just say like, hey, it's 7.30, that's bedtime. And what that means is you go in your room, you can stay awake in your room as long as you want, as long as there's no devices in there. There's no, you know, if you want to draw, you draw. If you want to read a book, you read a book, but this is your quiet time. And then you go to bed and you don't come back out of your room. And and this is my good night. And he said that was so healthy because then kids, A, get to bed earlier. B, they figure out their own bedtime routine by themselves. And of Mm -hmm. course, it's very important that there are no screens in the bedtime, in the bedroom. And what does that do for the mom? It's like, okay, great. I just have to make it to 730. Mm -hmm. And, And you may think to yourself, that's impossible possible. But don't think that you're you can do this. If you believe we can do this, then you're going to get there. And your child, can you imagine how lovely does that sound if at 7:30 you close the door, you kiss your child goodnight and and you went and then you had from 7:30 to 9:30 to get the stuff done that you needed to and then you could go to sleep. So really an earlier bedtime. So if you have older children, you know you're like I guess send my teenager to bed at 7:30. But you can certainly send them to bed at nine. You can, and mm-hmm. you can say there are no screens and they're going to freak out, but you're going to, that's fine. You know, and you can read a book, you can draw, you, you can do things, but you mm-hmm. have to do it in your own room without screens and then go to sleep. And what it does, it's a boundary that's going to help you as a mom. And it's going to be every single day. Like, of course, there will be some days where you're off because you went out. That's fine. But as for most days, if you knew, like, I'm going to have that evening time, we're not going to fight about it. How do you not fight about it? By doing it over and over and over until your children know that no matter what they do, this is how it is. And that they finally go, fine, I will go in my room. I will hand over my device and I will, you know, read a book, draw, whatever, think, and then finally go to sleep. Because guess what? Kids are not getting enough sleep. So that's why it's like that awful cycle. So Mm -hmm. they don't get enough sleep. They're irritable. They're annoyed. They eat junk food. They reach for their phones. They look at the phones too long. They've got all that blue light. They're no melatonin. They've all ramped up. They watch this, you know, like total violent scene and then they can't get to Mm -hmm. bed, you know, and it's just this vicious cycle and they're falling asleep in class and they can't concentrate in class and now they're not doing well. So it's this vicious cycle that honestly, if you got them sleeping, they're probably half of your problems would probably disappear. 
So this is a win-win for everybody. And, and it's something obviously that, that only takes some work at the front to, to establish that bedtime. But once that bedtime is normal, you'll be like, this is a lot better. Yeah. You know, and this is something when it comes to having to make changes, I have found, you know, sometimes we may have this tendency to negotiate or we may have a tendency to go the other way and say, well, then I'm going to level a consequence. And I have found it really helpful for me to just say, this is the way it's that we're going to do this, you know, and you actually have a ton of freedom in this. I'm just changing this part. And, but in doing that, it opens them up to that creative time. For some of us, that creative time hits at night. And a lot of times if we have like teenagers, they really do like to have that time that's it's just everybody's rhythms are a little different, but very often that can be a a place where there's actually a lot of activity that goes on. Mm. And again, it's a gift that we're giving to them. And I think if we just believe that, like if I really believe I'm actually giving you the gift of this free time for you to explore Mm -hmm. what you love, what you're good at, those kinds of things, then at least for our purpose, I mean, I could say that to my kid all day long and they'd be like, oh yeah, whatever. You just want to take my screen away. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I really believe though, that you're either going to A, explore that creativity that's inside of you, or B, you're going to end up going to sleep all the way around. It's a win. Yeah. And if, but if I approach it, knowing that there's going to be something in them, in, in it for them, then it makes it easy for me to not engage in the power struggle. But I've also had to have basically like this, no arguing sort of an approach to the way that I interact with my kids and to say, you know, I understand you're not going to understand it. You're not going to like it. Mm -hmm. This is what is going on. You know, I appreciate you sharing your concerns with me. They're noted. Please go to bed. <laughs> yes, know, yeah, like yeah. off it goes. <laughs> and if it helps you that you're like, we're gonna, this is how we're gonna do it this month. And if it kind of helps you to say that, like, let's do it for a month and then talk to me again. And maybe that will help you put that off for a month. And then by a month, they're kind of used to it and you can have that conversation. Now, if they say they hate it, you can still say, sorry, we're still yeah. doing it <laughs> one more month. Like, that's okay. You can do yeah. that. You know, so I have two high schoolers, a senior, a sophomore, and then a seventh grader. And, you know, by 830, everybody's winding down. The the girls, they have bunk beds. They're reading in their, they're reading in their rooms. My son, now that he's a senior, you know, he'll start, he'll tinker in the garage is his thing. So he'll be at the tool bench in the garage. And so now we're a little more lax with him, but by 930, you know, inevitably he's coming up the stairs and he's going into the room. So they do like grow into these habits and and kids get up early for school. So mm-hmm. I, I just cannot say enough that this is possible and it's good for you and your kids. You know, the other thing that was interesting is actually last night we had some thunderstorms that rolled through and we lost power for yeah. about four hours and it was right in the yes. prime time. Right. And so nothing worked, no screens, no internet, you know, nothing yeah. at all. Isn't Not for funny? anybody. Right. And I think that was such a great equalizer though, because, and I think this is really important that if we ask our kids to do it, we should make a similar You can do it too. Yep. Right. And to say, you know what, this is actually good for all of us and myself included. Yes. And because what happened was though, and again, as we're talking about, I need the downtime though. I don't want to be creative in, you know, trying to entertain them. My kids actually took that moment to say, let's do a variety show. And I was feeling wiped out. I did not want to participate <laughs> But all they wanted really was to put the show on. And I just sat there. You could be the audience. That's the best thing ever. 
That and is like for anybody who's ever. like, okay, great. No, my kids, I have a teenager, a middle school, I have a middle schooler totally. and an upper elementary and a preschooler. And they were all in on this together. That is awesome. And it was really awesome though, to see how they actually kind of got excited but yeah. I think there's something also though, a power outage, something is kind of dramatic. So it's like, Ooh, what are we going to do? You know, we're totally. lighting candles. So I don't know right. if you just need to go outside and like flip the lights off or whatever. Yes. But, um, I, I just, that particular instance showed mm. me so much of how they actually really can, they relish some of these times to the point like that my it. son was yes. saying, gosh, we should do this like way more nights of the week. And I though started to feel like, you know what? I could manage that. That's yeah. not, you know, that's not even the extent of like, oh, I gotta yeah. play a board game with them. It was like, yes. I just had to be again present. I just had to And you be could really just audience. shut off the modem. You know, yeah. we have I've done that before where it's like, okay, this is we're kind of getting out of hand. So eight o'clock, let's just shut down the modem for everybody. Mm. You know, and it could just be that simple switch. And then okay, Friday show in two hours. And then look, you just bought yourself. Two hours. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. You know, and I think where some of this though is a struggle is the fact that for a lot of us who are parenting now, we did not have screens. And so as they were introduced, they kind of were introduced slowly, you know, mm -hmm. so it was, we had cell phones, but they weren't smartphones. You yeah. know, we had the flip phone. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, you know, then it was like, oh, well, you know, now you can play a game on your phone, but it was still like snake or, you know, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was, you know, it, but it's just gradual how much our yeah. phones could do for us to the point now where it is a computer in our hands. Mm -hmm. And it's something though, that we had the ability to kind of at the beginning, it was like, it didn't do very much, yeah. but even we've yes. been desensitized and our kids have grown up this way though. They've always seen a yeah. device that could do these things. And so where we didn't have to worry about the regulation of it, mm -hmm. it has overtaken us because it became more novel, more interesting. Ooh, it could do this, you know, that kind of stuff. Yes. And so we don't even know what it's like to grow up with it around us constantly yeah. and have that chatter continuing. But I think if we really had the sense of our emotional well-being, if we really felt like, am I feeling overwhelmed or am I feeling overstimulated? If we really paid attention to that in ourselves, we could have a better idea for our kids what it is yeah. like to already be maybe just an excited kid, you know, who's right. highly suggestible, yes. highly, you know, overstimulated, those types yes. of things. And then to understand this is like all around all the time. It is yeah. like when, you know, you'd see like the wall of TVs and they're all playing something yes. different. Like they that do. is this, what they're this, growing up in. This totally reminds me, there's, there was a study done with mice and they had some mice watch TV all day and some mice not watch TV at all. And what they found was that the mice who didn't watch TV acted like normal mice. So mm -hmm. in the room, they always stuck to the corners of the room. You know how mice, like they stick to the walls and they mm -hmm. like go just in the corners and they behaved like mice. But the mice that watch TV, 
They noticed they ran all these crazy patterns everywhere. They weren't afraid to run in the middle of the room and they just went crazy. So if you were to plot them, it'd just be like a squiggly line just everywhere, like a Picasso painting just everywhere. Whereas the normal mice were just running in that square. Mm. And when they put a novel object, like they put something different in that box, the normal mice would like sneak up to it, kind of sniff it and then like sneak back to their place where the overstimulated mice didn't even notice it. They were just like, whatever. Mm. And I thought that was so interesting that with our kids, you know, there is a normal pattern. If you think your kids are hyper, then maybe if we took away these screens, they would be less hyper. If they're Mm. already hyper and you Mm. put them on screens all day, they become more hyper. So a lot of times we think, oh, they're such a hyper child. Let me give them the screen because they're so difficult. And then you give them the screen and they're like, my word, they're they're like the mice. They're just going everywhere. And then when you introduce a novel object, here's a book, here's a Lego set, here's a set of blocks. They're just like, whatever, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's like that has nothing on what my brain is used to, Mm -hmm. you know? So I really, I thought that was so interesting. So you're right that, you know, if if you had a typewriter, there's only one thing you could do with it. You typed on it. And so it is this thing that while this device can do everything and that's what makes it so awesome. And also makes it so awful because Mm -hmm. now the person has to have the self-control to just use it for what they intended Uh, Cal Newport has this amazing book called Digital Minimalism. And it's really just talking about, I think as a single mom, it's so important. Like, what do I want my phones to do for me? Mm. And you have goals for like, this is what I need my electronics to do for me in my home and everything else I, I shave off. You know, it's digital minimalism. You know, we're all into trying to simplify, hold something. Do you love it? If you don't love it, throw it away. You know, we want to declutter. So it's the same idea. Like, what do you want your devices to do for you? What Mm -hmm. do you want them to do for your children? Decide that, allow that. And then everything else, like, nope, sorry, not part of the plan. And I mean, I think that's brilliant. So that might take it. I love. Yeah. Yeah. That question is so, I think that's so empowering actually. Yeah. Because if, if the answer was, do I want this thing to make my kid more hyper or addicted or less creative or angry or any of the things like we would say no. Yeah. So if we understood that our devices actually are contributing to those things. And I would say, oh, well, I don't want that device to do that to my family and to my kids. So I'm going to choose differently. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we need this phone because dad's picking him up and I'm picking up and we have to be able to talk. So, hey, we're not going to get a smartphone. We're just going to get a simple texting phone because that's really all it's needed for. So your child's going to be like, no, I want like the latest, you know, $1,000 phone. Mm -hmm. And you're going to just be like, no, that's not what we need it for. So just keep going back to that. Like, what do you need it for? Yeah. And I think, you know, when we look at like the, the, people who are the higher ups in these big tech companies, they are not letting their kids they use these not. technologies. Yeah. They know, they know the brain science that mm-hmm. the dopamine hit that your kid is getting yeah. every time they press that screen, every time they tap, 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 they know that it's the same as somebody who going into a casino and pulling the lever on a slot yeah. machine. They know that. Yeah. And so if they are not willing to expose their kids to that, then that can be an alert to us to say, gosh, then this thing 
is maybe not as benign as we've thought yes, that it is. So but true. once I've educated myself, and that's what we've been talking about, once I understand that this is potentially making the loneliness worse, this is making the school performance worse, this is making the sleep worse, then I have the ability to say, well, I don't want that for yeah. my kids. And yeah, I may have to undo some things. Yep. I'm going to have to apologize. <laughs> yes, yeah, we're but, have you can, to... but you can tell your kids, Bill Gates didn't give a phone until their kids were 14 in high school. Uh, Chris Anderson, former our editor of Wired magazine called the iPad gaming crack and would not have mm-hmm. it for his kids and lined his uh, lined his home with books instead. You know, so we can wonder why did Steve Jobs, who introduced the iPad to the whole world, when asked by Nick Bolton from the New York Times, so how do your kids like the iPad? He's like, oh, my kids don't have an iPad. You yeah. know, like, like we can talk to our kids about this. Yeah. That hey, we can be smarter, guys, and you're not going to like it now, but you sure will like it later. And I think everybody's kids are different. Mine have really enjoyed learning about the brain science of things. Yeah. So for example, we had a conversation about pornography a few years ago, and there's a great book out there called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And it talks about the addictive properties of pornography and actually how it is changing your brain. And so rather than even just saying like, oh, it's good for you, you know, whatever, Right. it is something that we have the ability to say, this is your brain. It is precious. And God created it to do amazing, wonderful things. But this thing that is evil can actually start to mutate your brain. And we don't want your brain to get messed up. And we, that's why we don't have cigarettes for you. That's why we don't give you alcohol. That's why we don't do all these other things because while we can see our physical health in the things that we're eating, I can't yeah. see what your brain health looks like. So we just have to make these choices knowing that what we are doing is protecting a thing that we can't see. Yep. And that over time though, especially if we have to change something, we will be able to see some progress there. Yes. Just know that hope that you can make changes. I think being educated is really important and, and just not feeling weird because you're the only one. You think mm-hmm. you're the only one, but you're not. Look, there's I'm here and Michelle. And you can blame Michelle. And yeah. there's other moms here. You're not <laughs> you are not the only one. Yeah, totally just blame, blame her. Good. Totally. <laughs> Arlene, at the end of every conversation, I ask each guest the same question. And it is if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? I would want to say you your efforts will not be unrewarded like all the things you are doing, you are going to get a reward someday. And you may feel like, oh my word, I'm so tired. I'm so overwhelmed. Is this worth it? I'm alone. Because obviously it's hard enough for two parents. And then mm-hmm. here you are a solo parent and how it's it's the burden of it. And then it's the everyday of it. It's the hugeness of like, oh my word, I am the main guiding person in these kids' life. And then it's the, wow, this just happens over and over and over. It's unrelentless. It doesn't stop. And for you to know there will come a day and you're going to stand before God and God's going to be like, I saw you mm-hmm. when you were making the little sandwiches. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I saw that and good job. Well done. Good and faithful servant, you know, enter into my joy. Like you're going to get a really big reward. And what you see is not unnoticed by God. He sees what you do and you will be rewarded. And whether it's in this lifetime that when you're standing at graduation and you're like, look at my child, a fully functioning, caring, good adult, you know, like that's mm-hmm. going to be a reward. But, you know, even beyond that, you're going to be rewarded and noticed. And so many successful 
people say it was my single mom that, you know, you know, think of Ben Carson, the neurosurgeon and, you know, all, it was my yeah. single mom that stood behind me and made me into the person that I am. You, you are of great worth and your child is not cheated because they just have you. And I say just in little air quotes, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. your child, God's going to rocket them because he's partnering with you, which is, you know, obviously what this whole podcast is about. That's right. He's adding to us. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so yeah. much, Arlene. Arlene, would you tell listeners about your resources and how they can follow yes. you? Yes. It's so nice to get to know you. I have a happy home podcast and I have a screen kids. We've been talking about things from the book screen kids, but you know, obviously there's not time enough to go into all the brain stuff to go into like how a little more specifics of how you restart your home. And then we have five A plus skills that every child needs. And so you can get the book screen kids and that's with Dr. Gary Chapman and myself. And then I have a masterclass where you can watch a video series. You can listen to it on your own timetable. And that's available at happyhomeuniversity.com, happyhomeuniversity.com. And again, that is called the Screen Kids Masterclass. And there is a promo code that's special for you guys. If you use the word happy, then you'll save $50. Wonderful. And I will include links to that in the show notes to make it easier for the listeners. But thank you so much for spending time with me today. It's been a joy, Michelle. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this conversation, I'd also recommend episode 95, Raising Kids Who Bounce Back with Dr. Rhonda Spencer-Huang. You may also enjoy episode 23, Stopping Online Dangers, Cyberbullying, and Pornography with Parents Who Fight. We'd love to invite you to get involved with the Plus One Parents community. You can join us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. And on Facebook, you can join our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Also, at plusoneparents.org, we are constantly adding new resources related to all of the topics that we cover here on the Christian Single Moms podcast. That's everything from parenting to dating to spiritual and emotional well-being. If you'd like to stay up to date on the new resources as we release them, you can join our mailing list there as well at plusoneparents.org. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.